0: Hello, everyone. This is Ryan and Kevin here with a special episode of the Almost Presidents podcast. So, as a lot of you know, or as a lot of you might not know, the first Republican debate is tonight at 9 o'clock on Fox News, being moderated by Brett Byer and Martha McCallum. The candidates who qualified to be on the debate stage are Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, And somehow, and Kevin, we got to dig into that, Doug Burgum, somehow he got up there. These candidates will be on this stage because they qualified by drawing at least 40,000 individual donors and registering with at least 1% support in three national polls that met the RNC's criteria. And then the last thing, which we wanted to dip into a little bit to start out, is they had to sign this loyalty pledge. And essentially what that loyalty pledge entailed was that no matter what happened, if they dropped out or did not win, they would support the Republican nominee for president and they would not run a third party. And that was required to be on the debate stage.
1: Yeah. So maybe we can start with that because that's something that people are making a lot of noise about is this whole situation with the loyalty pledges. So I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know what your thoughts were on that, but Yeah, I I have mixed feelings about the loyalty pledges thing. I I don't know if I really like it, but at the same time, I understand where the, the party institution is coming from that they want this because realistically, if a couple of the candidates don't win, they probably will try to launch a third party bid in this particular instance. So yeah, I think it's interesting.
0: It is. And I think I stand right with my boy, Chris Christie, that we wouldn't have to have something like this highly likely if it weren't for Trump. Um, and a lot of this is for Trump who has refused to sign the pledge, of course. So, yes. Yeah, so, it, so we, we were talking about this before and
1: we were doing a little bit of research into why, where this came from. Cause my first instinct was like, okay, well, if this is something that parties have always been doing, then I'm fine with it. And so I wanted to know, has this been a thing in the past? And from what I could find, it basically did start in 2016, where they circulated a loyalty pledge because they were specifically worried about Trump staging a third party run because he literally said he would do that. And back then, it wasn't a requirement to get on the debate stage, from what I understand. But now it is. So it's a little bit of a bigger thing. So so yeah, I mean, it's true. This is probably distinctly about Donald Trump, not yeah. not any other candidate. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and not to represent my jersey too soon in the podcast, but Chris Christie literally did say, quote, In all my life, we never had to have Republican primary candidates take a pledge. You know, we were Republicans, and the idea is you'd support the Republican whether you won or whether you lost, and you didn't have to ask somebody to sign something, is what Christie said. The RNC chair Ronna McDaniel, said that this was about limiting the amount of infighting taking place in the party and Just acknowledging the fact that, although I don't know if this is true, the Republican electorate wants to see the party come together. But it does seem, I don't know. I mean, I guess for me, it's the timing of this. This debate is so early and the language of this pledge just seems so controlling for so early on. Like, I feel like you should be seeing this after a few candidates have dropped off. We're getting a little bit closer to knowing who the nominee is. Not with this early debate that really nobody's probably going to watch for two reasons. One, I mean, look at who's up there. (laughs) And two, Trump is not attending. And Trump is also doing something at the same time the debate's going on, because of course he is, which we'll also talk about.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, I kind of agree that I probably, if it were up to me, if I were Ronda McDaniel or whatever, I probably wouldn't have done this because the reality is, is the only guy you're worried about is probably Donald Trump. You know, if Doug Burgum wants to stage a third party run, fucking let him, you know, whatever. But if Donald Trump stages a third party run, it will almost certainly split the party and it will hurt the Republicans 100 percent. Right. And it's he very realistically could. So if it were me, I would probably just wait it out, see what he says, see what he does. And if he's going to win anyway, then who cares? Right. It doesn't really matter. But. I at the same time I do get why they're doing this because yeah, these third party runs, they do usually lead to throwing it to the other candidate, basically. And they're trying to avoid that outcome. So I, I sort of get where they're coming from doing it. And it seems very likely that it could happen if Donald Trump loses. But you know, yeah, I kind of agree. I would have maybe if it were up to me, waited on
0: that. And honestly, I don't see Trump losing anytime soon. Uh, exactly so, so why don't we talk then about before we get to the the candidates, the debate itself, the elephant who's not going to be in the room, Donald Trump? So first impression, what do you think about the fact that Trump declined to debate?
1: Yeah, I have a couple thoughts. One, I've been saying this for a while. I really think that Donald Trump has started to lose his mojo and i noticed this in 2020 because in 2016 he dominated the debates every single debate he was in he absolutely dominated the debates right he was so charismatic funny everybody thought he was like hilarious even the people who hated him like like me thought he was funny in the debates and in 2020 when he was debating joe biden he kind of just came off like an asshole and like a stupid asshole at that you know he's mm-hmm. just yelling calling joe biden dumb like and it just kind of it, it made him look bad and probably If he hadn't done that, he probably would have won that debate because Joe Biden does have all these issues with his stuttering and whatnot. But yeah, so I think that he's noticed that probably. And he's like, well, I don't want to fuck up, basically. And candidates are are increasingly kind of realizing that. Debates are mostly an opportunity to fuck up, not an opportunity to succeed. And so Donald Trump is doing what Donald Trump does. He's kind of paving the way in this, I guess you could say a little bit sleazy tactic where he's like, you know what? I don't want to debate. So, so fuck it. (laughs) See ya. And he realizes that's probably the best move
0: for him. And I think it is too. I agree with that. He should not be debating when he's this high up in the polls and he's literally supposed to what be on the same stage as people who are single digits in in the polls that are more flattering for them Mm -hmm. and doug burgum somehow got himself on that stage i mean is i'm trying to find a poll where he's more than single digits and it's awfully hard um so yeah Yeah. i mean don't attend the debate it could only hurt you because you're literally so high up but then you want to step further i mean trump is a masterclass in and of himself of how to control the news cycle and he did, but in a weird way. So he recorded this interview with Tucker Carlson that's set to air on X or uh, Twitter, whatever you prefer, at the same time as the debate on Fox News. So in addition to that, he's also expected to go to Atlanta where he's being booked for the latest set of indictments. So how do you feel about that? Trump really seizing the news cycle by the balls. I'm sure Fox News isn't too happy about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I really, I think the right really views Twitter now, now because Elon Musk has taken it over and they feel like he's kind of on their side. They really view it as this new innovative platform that it's really important to be on. And I think it has, the reality is I think it's lost a lot of cultural relevance. You know, people are just less interested in it. It's a less usable platform, just in general, the mechanics of it kind of suck now. So I think that, Trump being on there, it could possibly just be not really that important. You know, the people who are Twitter fiends will watch it. It'll probably get really good viewership. You know, why wouldn't it? But I don't think it's going to take away from the actual debates because I just think at the end of the day, these mainstream media platforms are still extremely powerful. They're still, you know, there's still tons of older retirees and like middle aged people who this is how they get their news still. And they're going to watch. The debates. So I think if Trump was going to win, like if Trump was going to do a really good job, it would have been a missed opportunity for him. The only reason it's not is because I think he knows that it's he's not going to do a good job.
0: I just wonder why he didn't do a rally instead. Like I think DeSantis's announcement via Twitter Spaces wasn't a good acid test of what Twitter Spaces is capable of because it was just so dysfunctional. Twitter Spaces was so new. A candidate had never announced like that. But- I just wonder if if Trump held a rally and a whole bunch of people showed up. I mean, the press corps would follow, and that would dominate the narrative. And I think that's where he's at his best is at a rally. I'm not sure how he's going to be, even though this Twitter space is it a Twitter space? Well, whatever it is, this interview yeah, is it's a Twitter be. space,
1: yeah, a yeah, uh, I mean, next space, I guess, right? <laughs> right, and
0: it's it's pre recorded, so you know they already you know there's not really room for him to like fuck up live or anything. And it's with Tucker, somebody who's always been on his his team pretty much through it all. So I don't know. I mean, venue, iffy choice. Maybe you should have done a rally, but I still yeah. do think it is going to take away. And it's going to start to perhaps chip away maybe at your theory of, of these legacy news networks still having the uh, vast amount of eyeballs over places like social media.
1: Yeah, this is. I mean, I will definitely say that this is an opportunity for a crack in that armor, right? Where yeah, now suddenly, yeah, there is going to be a lot of tension of, of attention turned away from the mainstream media on a night when the mainstream media should get a lot of attention. So yeah, I do agree with
0: that. And I'm sure there will be stories comparing the numbers too, which I'll be interested to to read about and kind of see how mathematically it it stacks up. And I'll definitely watch or listen to the Trump thing as well because we are going to do a podcast reacting to the debate, but I think we should also react to Trump's distraction from the debate, which I guess is perhaps us perfectly falling into his trap as well, but we got to follow it all. So what can you do?
1: Yeah. But I think it's interesting because I've, I've been paying attention to a lot of these uh, right-wing guys like Jordan Peterson and whatnot. And a lot of people are very upset at Trump for doing this, for not taking part in the debates, because a lot of these guys, they do, they do I think, sincerely feel like debate is very important. And, um, so I, I don't know. I think there's also a potential that this could lead a lot of people to kind of turn on him a little bit because they feel like it's an act of cowardice. And I mean, to be fair, it is an act of cowardice. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of people who have started to garner a decent following. Obviously you have DeSantis. I think Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy, I'm trying to say that correctly. Um, I think he also seems to have a good following. I was literally at the gym the other day and I heard two people get into a conversation about how much they love Vivek Ramaswamy. And oh, wow. I was like, wow, that that's always telling to me. It's like when it's not weirdos on the internet talking about someone, that's how you know it's like a little bit serious. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Like nobody at the gym is talking about Doug Burgum or
0: even probably Chris Christie, um, unless they're in New Jersey, of course. I'm but, not sure a lot of people in North Dakota are talking about Doug Burgum. And I hate to, sh- to shit on the guy. I'm just speaking objectively here. But no, I mean Vivek Ramaswamy is somebody I wanted to talk about with you because he is definitely having a bit of a moment right now. And it seems like a lot of the people that he's getting are the people that DeSantis is losing because DeSantis's yep. campaign is just totally off the rails at this point. And some of the more conspiratorial stuff Vivek Ramaswamy is saying people are finding charming. As well as him I guess while well, we have some pictures of him playing tennis shirtless and uh rapping an MM song in Iowa? Was that? Yeah, I think that's correct. It was weird. He just came off as like everybody that he, he went to college with, like just that, that business bro type of a persona. Yeah. Um, and I looked it up from and of here, course he's in a frat. So.
1: All right. Yeah. And that, I think that can kind of take us into the next thing we we're going to talk about, which is maybe some predictions, maybe some uh, candidates to watch type thing. So I think Vivek Ramaswamy is, is probably my number one guy that I think could have a big win on this night. Yeah, like you were saying, he's posting all these videos and pictures on the internet that basically are supposed to indicate, I think, that he's young and vigorous, um, is, is kind of the point. And I think he's like he's like 39 or something, right? Um and I'll give him, yeah. to be honest, I'll give him that he, I think he's a decent looking guy. Obviously. Yeah, he's a um, decent looking guy. Yeah, like he's a decent looking guy. And like Santos is also pretty young, but Ron DeSantis just looks like kind of weird and and old. Um, Like, older, I think, than he actually is. Whereas Vivek Ramaswamy is clearly in very good shape um, and looks very young and vigorous. And I think I have to tack on, on top of that, I've seen him go on, like, David Pakman and other, uh, like, political platforms, CNN, and he holds his his own really, really well. Like, every single interaction he's in, he seems to come out on top rhetorically. So, yeah, I think he's going to have probably a good night. If I'm going to make a very bold prediction, which why the hell not? um, I think that we could see him and Ron DeSantis basically switch places to uh,
0: tonight. I was thinking something similar. I don't know if I was ready to put that down in ink or in audio rather, but I think one's going to have to give her the other. And I really don't see DeSantis. I mean, obviously it's a big night for him, but I don't see him capitalizing on it i don't know if i see him even being capable of capitalizing on it but yeah i mean he's naturally on a collision course with ramaswamy right i mean they're passing each other in mm-hmm. the polls right now one's going up one's going down so desantis has to do something to help his numbers and i think even a super pack who for whatever reason sent out some strategy for him that we're all able to read has told him to attack ramaswamy so that's definitely something that ramaswamy is going to see coming and yeah no i mean i've I've read more than I've listened to Ramaswamy's uh, the things that he'll say, but you yeah, know, he, I mean, he does seem like a really good, intelligible, intelligent talker who could potentially stand out on the stage. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at like, you know, it's funny before we get on here, I was looking at uh, the stage positions just to see if those had anything to do with the way that strategy would play out. Yeah. And if you go to, Uh, Kevin, if you go to page one in our document here, uh, everybody else can look it up. DeSantis and Ramaswamy are right next to each other. And then noticeably in the corner, the anti-Trumpers, Hutchinson and Chris Christie can maybe get some scheming going over in their corner. And then they got the South Carolina two, Haley and Scott together. And then they threw Bergam all the way on the side, which
1: I'm for. Yeah, but I think that's my big, the big thing that I, I would be looking for is I think DeSantis or Ramaswamy really needs to have a moment. DeSantis really needs a kind of comeback moment, and Ramaswamy needs to keep up, I guess, the momentum that he's already started to build. And I think if Ramaswamy has like a really big moment, yeah, I think people from DeSantis' side will kind of switch. But I think, yeah, Ramaswamy seems a little bit more positioned to pull that off than DeSantis. DeSantis just doesn't seem like he's a charismatic guy at all. But I think his campaign's probably aware of this, and they're probably preparing him for it. So who knows? Maybe he could have a good showing.
0: I heard something really intelligent on the dispatch about DeSantis' campaign that I hadn't thought of. And I don't know if this could be any kind of a difference maker for him on the campaigns or on the debate stage, like if this is where you can kind of set a, foot, a fresh foot forward with his campaign. But he has this stellar record to Republicans in Florida of legislative success, of winning dominantly to, to get the governorship back in 2022 and all these other Republicans were losing. And ever since he launched his campaign, it's just been attacking this abstract idea of wokeness. Like, I don't get why he's not, because even, even his book, he says Florida's blueprint for America. Like, that's what he should be running on. The things that I'm doing in Florida, I can replicate across the nation. And look at me. I have a history of legislative success. So I don't know. I mean, I know they're going to be obviously asking questions and stuff like that. But if that's something he could establish, I feel like it could help him. But again, I don't yeah, well, see him doing anything to help himself. He's just so rudderless.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think what happened was there was a blowback to whatever you might want to call wokeness, right? And there there emerged this very strong anti-woke movement that was against CRT, against trans people, against whatever, you know, against Black Lives Matter, even though that's kind of been over for a while. and. I think Ron DeSantis was like, I need to capitalize on this big movement that's going on. But I think the movement died. I was looking at a poll the other day. I don't I don't remember where the poll's from, but I was looking at a poll the other day, and it basically showed that Republican voters are right now not reporting that being anti-woke is very important to them. Like, it's not, they're, they're reporting that they would still be willing to support a candidate if that candidate's not anti-woke, but they meet other criteria. So there's some evidence to suggest that this is just not as big of a thing as we thought it was going to be. Um, and I think that's kind of an issue for Ron DeSantis's campaign is he really banked on that. Yeah. And you're, you're probably right. He should have banked on, I'm a really good governor and I did really good things that worked really well and I will keep doing them. But this is also kind of a downstream from something I've said for a while, which is that Republicans right now are banking on issues that are three years old. You know, they're still running on COVID and lockdowns they're still running on black lives matter they're still running on stolen election stolen election right yeah that was the one i was looking for i was like where is it (laughs) and these are not issues anymore and i think that's a big problem for DeSantis specifically because i think he's kind of banking on those with all these ads about fauci and shit when fauci's not even a government official anymore (laughs) you know yeah so yeah i
0: mean he really should have just from the very start made it about i'm a winner and trump's a loser and the proof is in the pudding yep I agree. And, then, and then just see what happens from there i mean you wouldn't immediately yeah. endear yourself to people who are loyal to trump but you would be pointing something out that maybe you could bring them around to yeah 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 and that goes back
1: to something else we were saying is i think people needed to take on trump directly from the beginning and everybody was too afraid to do that
0: yeah so i wanted to then jump right in and talk about that then trump of course is not going to be at this debate but his presence is still gonna very much be felt. I mean, Chris Christie for all the coaching that he tried to do to uh guilt Trump into going to the debate by calling him a coward, calling him somebody who doesn't want to come up and, and talk about the issues and things like that, like a president should, didn't work. So I guess I have a I mean, my big question swirling around Chris Christie is what the hell is he gonna do now? And then that goes for everybody else. What are the candidates gonna do in Trump's absence? Like is this gonna give certain candidates, do you think an opportunity to surge forward because he's not going to be dominating all the conversation going on and just kind of making it like a one-way thing? Or, I mean, do you think that it's just going to kind of go on business as usual and there's not going to be much condemnation? Because I'm sure those are going to be some of the questions. I would at least like them to be things pertaining to election interference and January 6th, Mm -hmm. perhaps things like that. But I'm just wondering what these candidates like, like like Nikki Haley, like what's she going to do to distinguish herself?
1: Well, here's here's what I think from from a long time ago, way back in the days of when atheism was like this big cultural phenomenon of Richard Dawkins was a huge household name. Um, There was. Yeah, there was this there was this uh, thing that happened where this famous Christian philosopher really, really wanted to debate. Richard Dawkins because Richard Dawkins was going around doing debates at the time. But Richard Dawkins turned him down and basically said, I don't want to debate you because of all these reasons, he had certain reasons. I don't really remember what they were, but, but so this guy he what he did was he at a, at an event that he had, he set up an empty chair and he debated with like an imaginary Richard Dawkins. And he just basically like had this like sort of fake debate where he was just like talking to a mythical Richard Dawkins responding to maybe points he had made or something like that. And I think that's basically what we're going to see is a bunch of people debating an empty chair because everybody knows that Donald Trump is the candidate to beat, but he's not there. So you just have to kind of debate an empty chair. The only thing I could potentially see happening is I could see Vivek Ramaswamy becoming this kind of avatar for Trump because he is a very pro-Trump candidate, whereas the rest of these candidates have almost... I mean, not quite explicitly, but they've very much defined themselves as being anti-Trump candidates. Like DeSantis is obviously his biggest competitor. Haley has criticized him in the past. Bergam, Hutchison, and Christie are all like anti-Trump. Pence, of course, is the hang Mike Pence guy, right? Um, And Tim Scott is a little bit more ambiguous, but like you know, he's not exactly a big contender right now. So I think Vivek Ramaswamy is going to like come to his defense a lot, and so there's going to be wind wind up being. A bunch of debates between people about, like, di- between Vivek and other, like, candidates about Trump and Trump related things.
0: Yeah. And turning to Mike Pence for a second, too, I, I, I'm i curious to see what he does tonight because I feel like he's going to have a hard time because he has to, like, basically stand up for all the shit that Trump did to an extent. And you also know, stand
1: was, against it, right? <laughs> that, that's and kind and of stand his against position it. Yeah. Mean, he
0: was, he yeah. Was, he was on the ticket. Like, I mean, it it just seems like his uh his pitch to the party is like, well, look, there were some things that I disagreed with that were really bad, like when I was asked to violate the constitution of this country, but other than that, I was proud to be a part of the administration, and that's just not compelling in in any way. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really not that.
1: I'm not expecting anything from Mike Pence here, to be honest. I think he is not a charismatic enough of a guy to handle the situation he's in. I'm shocked he got up there at all. Yeah. I think there's a certain group of people who are committed to him because he represents something like a more civil politics, but also, you know, the politics of evangelicalism. Uh, And I think they're probably committed to him. They're probably not going to go away, but he's not going to build any support. Um, At best, he'll lose support. That'd be my guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, I look at all these candidates here, and Pence is one of the ones where I'm really thinking to myself, who could we have on this podcast who's a proud Pence 2024 Republican? You know, I mean, you mentioned those guys at the gym. We could have them on to talk about Ramaswamy. There's some DeSantis folks that we know. I mean, we live in the state where Christie was governor, probably some Christie people. Uh, who has really ever been a Pence Republican when he's looked to take the national stage outside of Indiana?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Pence maintains like a small base of support. I, that's my view. I mean, I'm I, I just pulled up polls. He's got pretty. He's got a decent showing in Utah. Uh, probably because of the religiosity of Utah is be my guess, and. In some national polls, he's showing about like 6% warning consult. So I I think he maintains a a small base of support from people who are evangelicals who are very concerned about like the civility and decency of their office holders, which is not a large number of evangelicals, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. So he's got a small following, but I don't expect it to grow. I think people who... I think the majority of the Republican Party who votes in the primary just hate, they hate him, I think, personally.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to get to Christy, but before we get to him, I wanted to ask you just one thing about Vivek Ramaswamy, because you seem to be thinking that he not only is having a moment, but he's going to seize on it. How do you feel about the fact that he's boasting that he's doing zero debate prep, debate prep? Like, Well, he, he's probably and hanging, lying. Tennyson hanging out with his family is what, he's, is what yeah. he's, the people are saying.
1: He's probably lying. That's a that's a flex, I would say, is he's putting okay. that out there so that people think he's like when he shows up and he debates really well, that he just kind of like did that on the fly. And it's like, oh, my God, he's so smart because of, you know, this because he debated without pre- preparing, but he
0: probably did prepare. That'd be my guess. Okay. I guess it is one of those things where like if it goes right, it was awesome that he did that. Good thinking. And if it goes wrong, it's something to fall back on. Not exactly a sexy thing to fall back on, but there's that. Yeah. Um, Chris Christie, what is he going to do? How's he going to spend his night? I mean, I can't see him just doing the empty chair thing for the whole night. He's got to go after somebody. He's a bulldog.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing, right, is is this really takes the wind out of his sails, right? Because the whole point of his campaign was, I'm going to get on the debate stage with Trump and, and yell at him. He takes
0: the sails out <laughs> of his sails, man. Like, like, yeah. he's, like, he's got nothing. What's he going to um, do? I
1: mean, I mean look, I, Christie does have strong disagreements with other people on the panel. He's criticized DeSantis for going after Disney. Um, and he generally seems to not like the direction the 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 kind of anti business direction that the Republican Party has taken. So I think he could go down that route, or it, it could happen the way that I kind of predicted it. Vivek Ramaswamy will kind of become an avatar for Trump because he seems to be the most defensive of Trump, and you'll just have Christie and Ramaswamy going back and forth with Ramaswamy defending Trump and Christie um, attacking him. I could see that that being a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I about people who perhaps I'm predicting are going to have maybe not a big night, but are definitely going to have a night that's going to help them. I would say Chris Christie might be one of those because he's definitely not going to be even remotely ignored on that stage. I think he gets the chance to stomp around and be the big bully. Now that Trump isn't there because he knows how to do that role. Um, His memoir that came out a while ago is literally called let me finish. So whatever he does up there, people are going to hear him out. And so we'll see if he goes after people, like you say, I mean, he's definitely going to take a few shots at Trump. So I think maybe anybody defending Trump's position. Yeah. Like you're saying, will also be a potential, uh, victim of attack. I'm just not sure when it comes to big night, like, all right, it'll look big, but what's it ultimately going to do for him? I mean, he still comes off as more of an appealing candidate for the Democratic electorate than for the Republicans, which is crazy to say, but is no less true.
1: there's There's a hard ceiling on his potential for sure. I mean, there's not really much that he can do. And that's kind of what I said originally. He's running a kamikaze campaign, essentially. His goal is to knock somebody down. His goal is not to actually win himself, really. One person I wanted to point to as a potential dark horse, and I know I said he was not a big deal earlier, but I'm going to go back on that. Um, I think Tim Scott is a potential dark horse, maybe not in the candidate in the, in the specific debate, but in the wider scope of the whole presidential campaign. I think he's a dark horse, and I think he's a dark horse for uh, reasons that relate to our most recent season of the podcast, which people should all listen to about the 1876 election. He reminds me a little bit of Rutherford B. Hayes in that he's nobody's favorite candidate, but he's everybody's second favorite candidate. Mm. Like the guys, the guys who I was talking about at the gym, they also brought up that they like Tim Scott. Like they were like, yeah, we really like Donald Trump and and obviously, and Vivek Ramaswamy um, and also Tim Scott. And I think that's kind of everyone's view. Donald Trump himself is not going after Tim Scott the way he's going after other people on the stage. Uh, and I think that's that's going to be Tim Scott's strength. I don't think it will necessarily play out in this particular debate, but in t- over the long arc of the campaign, as people start to drop out, the people who support that person who drops out, I think a lot of those people will wind up going to Tim Scott and he could build up a decent base of support by being like everybody's fa- second favorite candidate, essentially.
0: I agree with that. I think Tim Scott has staying power that goes above and beyond what his poll numbers are showing up as now. Uh, The field just needs to clear out a little bit more and then we'll start to see that, I think. But he was, yeah, he was my second one for someone who I think might have a big night. I mean, he's one of the few who has just been hitting campaign road and just pitching more of a positive vision for what this country could be, Mm -hmm. not this post-Biden like woke apocalypse that Desantis's goons are having generate using AI for their their ads. I didn't watch that one, but I should have yeah. So I think Tim Scott, yeah, for all the reasons that you're saying and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with him.
1: Yeah. And that that's my thing is I think he's managed to please a lot of the anti-Trump Republicans because he, for, for a variety of reasons, you know um, like I talked about the civility politics type evangelicals mm-hmm. and they like him because he's a very civil guy and he's, and he's an evangelical. Also the, the kind of pundit class, the Ben Shapiro's of the world. I think they like him too, because he, like you're saying, he provides a positive vision for America and he does basically defend all of like the conservative positions on things, but then he's somehow, and I don't know how he's done this, but he somehow managed to not piss off Trump and therefore Trump's base because Trump will just Trump's base will kind of do what he does. And so he's managed to not piss off Trump. And that's the key is that I think there's potential that a lot of these people will flip to Tim Scott, or they be, they'll be they be willing to. So yeah, I think he's a dark horse potentially. Um, but yeah.
0: I would say he's an Icarus, right? He's He's got his wings. He's taking flight. We'll see how high he gets. If he gets a little bit too close to the sun, Trump might put him in his place. And I think if he does start flying too close to the sun, his campaign, and he's got a war chest too, right? Of donors. Yes. He's got a lot of money. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's got a shitload of money. We'll probably have to actively start thinking about Trump containment strategy as best as you can contain him. Because, yeah, I think Trump even like welcomed Scott into the race. It was odd. Yeah, you're right that all of this is
1: contingent on the fact that he hasn't pissed off Trump
0: yet. Right. And
1: you're right. If he flies too close to the sun, Trump will start to get worried and Trump will start attacking him. So, yeah, it's it's true. Like, that's a factor, too. And, and maybe it, it maybe it's the case that Trump or that Scott builds up a base of support,
0: then Trump attacks him, and then everybody turns on him. That's possible. I suppose I'd be interested to see how things play out because they also present two different visions of America in that Scott's takes place in the present and the future and Trump's takes place in the past uh, and the present in terms of all the indictments that he's charged with. So Mm -hmm. we still haven't reached a decisive point yet where it's become clear that Trump's electorate is done hearing about the 2020 election, January 6th, and all of these indictments. But should they reach that point, Tim Scott's message might be just a breath of fresh air from all that controversy. I mean, and I don't want to harp on this for too long because it's his business, but like Tim Scott, like, dude, doesn't even have sex. I mean, you're not going to have to worry about hush money payments or anything like that from this guy. Like, this guy (laughs) is literally able to walk into a room and give his mother a kiss on the cheek and, you know, never feel like shit for doing so. You know, this guy like walks out of his house, never swearing, never, you know, looking uh, at a woman sexually, uh, just thinking about ways in which he can have agency over their bodies. Uh, But this guy comes off as like, just clean as a whistle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. He definitely is scandal free, but I I hate to say this, but I, I think that that is possibly not to his benefit. I think that the Republican base really likes coming to the defense of somebody. And when they find out somebody has a scandal, they kind of go into defensive mode and they actually like that person more. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be great for the Republican. I'm sure the Republican establishment would love to run Tim Scott because I think he would probably win uh, over Biden. But yeah, I think he... Like the, the base is is never, I, I just think never going to go for him. And you talk about yeah the the election stuff and Trump running on issues of the past. Yeah, I mean I think for better or worse, that's what the party wants him to do. That's what the the voters in the party want him to do. It's stupid, but that's what they want. So I think that's going to be uh, what's going to win the day.
0: And next, and I I think this perhaps should be our last thing. And rightly so Doug Burgum, how did he get up there? What do you think he's going to do when he gets up there aside from a whole lot of nothing?
1: Yeah. It's hard for me to say what Doug Burgum will do when he gets up there, because uh, I have no clue who this guy is, you know, and I think most people are with me on that. No, but I mean, I guess more seriously, uh, yeah, I, I don't I, yeah I can't imagine a situation where he does anything. I think I think most of these guys, like the only anti-Trump guy who has a shot at making any noise is Chris Christie because he's obnoxious enough to get people's attention. like these guys are too you know, inoffensive and unknown to I think do much of anything. It reminds me of like the whole cast of characters who ran in the Democratic Party like Kirsten Gillibrand and even Tim Ryan ran in in uh, 2020 as well. And Mm -hmm. like a lot of these guys got up on the debate stage and they maybe got two words in and nobody noticed them. Nobody figured out what their name was and that was it. So I think that's probably what will happen with Doug Burgum.
0: Yeah, I feel like they almost staged Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson on far sides of the stage just so that if they have to camera in on three candidates kind of going at it, interrupting each other, they won't cut out anybody important at least.
1: Well, yeah, that's the idea, right? That's why you put the important (laughs) candidates in the middle. Yeah, I think that's literally the idea. And
0: I I did also want to mention too, um, they got to give my guy some justice. Larry Elder claimed on X that he's going to sue the RNC and put a halt to tonight's debate because he says that officials were afraid of having his voice on the debate stage, not because he lost the 2021 gubernatorial recall, was not able to even remotely past the threshold for donors and do any of the other things that you needed to do to get on stage. According to the RNC.
1: I was listening to the breakfast club, um, with the what's that guy's name? Charlemagne the God or whatever. And they had Larry Elder on. And I was like, like at the beginning of the interview, uh, they were like, Oh yeah. So you're running for president. Like, why are you running for president? I was like, Oh fuck. Larry Elder's running for president. I totally forgot. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's probably, that's that's probably where most people Yeah, I think that's probably where most people are at. But I think it's so funny. This thing happens. This happens every single election cycle, it seems now, is that there's a bunch of people who nobody supports, who are like nobody candidates, and they don't make it on the debate stage because, like, of course they don't, right? There has to be a limit on how many people get on the debate stage, and you can't just let any old person up on there. So they don't make it onto the debate stage. And then they're like, oh, the the DNC or the RNC doesn't want me on the debate stage, rah, rah, rah. And of course it's just not true. Like these people just don't have support. And that's that's Larry Elder's situation. He's butthurt about it, obviously. I doubt he'll sue the the RNC. Uh, if he does, he'll lose because what they're doing is perfectly legal. There's no like there's not really any constitutional rules about how the major parties pick their candidates. They can kind of do what they want i mean they have their own like bylaws and shit but that's kind of the way it works so yeah he has he has no like right to the debate stage it's just kind of silly
0: no and the whole thing oh you know they're afraid to hear from me no dude they're not afraid oh they don't want me there yeah no you're right about that one they don't want you there because you're yeah, not a yeah. viable candidate and, yeah, I and wish- it's like how sorry go ahead. no i was just gonna say and i wish that politics wasn't so driven by money so that Doug Burgum's could be replaced by people who really have a stake in these issues that are being talked about on the debate stage not that there's going to be a ton of talk about issues on the debate stage tonight uh don't expect it people but mm-hmm. uh it is what it is and I mean Larry Elder is not a poor man by any stretch but dude no. you just you couldn't check the boxes and they were decided by your team you're not on the stage man I'm sorry but we'll let him sue. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's America. Go for it. But I think this is,
1: I think like this, ha- this happens every cycle too, where somebody's going to sue somebody else over something in 2020. Tulsi Gabbard was going to sue Hillary Clinton for some reason. So, you know, and then it goes away and they never actually do it because it's stupid. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Larry Elder is, Larry Elder, for some reason he's still around. He it feels like he was relevant like 15 years ago and you know, then he ran in the gubernatorial race, totally got trashed, claimed it was election fraud, <laughs> and here we are, I guess. Yeah, here we are. Like if it was election if it was election fraud in California, you think you'd be able to get at least enough donors to get on the fucking debate stage, dude.
0: Yeah, apparently not. Well, apparently so. It's just that they're afraid of them, So they, they're, they're right. hiding it. I, I mean, man, that defense is just so infuriating. I didn't get what I want. Therefore, it was stolen. Like, I guess that's why Ron McDaniels putting this freaking loyalty pledge in there. But um, yeah, I, I had one more uh, question that I wanted to bring up before we hop off the mics. And it's unrelated to this debate, but just something I was curious to talk to you about and kind of just bring to our listeners attention to if they had any thoughts about it i think it's pretty much not going to happen at this point but what did you think about that whole uh brouhaha about desantis debating gavin newsom
1: on fox news i'm gonna be honest i did not hear about this until right oh, you now you didn't hear that story <laughs>
0: no oh okay so uh, i can get your organic reactions for the first time on the mics.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, to me, all of this stuff, it's just it's all like Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk challenging each other to a fight like for these like old guy politicians who want to who still want to have dick measuring competitions and still want to like talk about how tough they are, their form of it, because if they got into a fight, their like knees would snap in half their their form of it is like, oh, so and so won't debate me. So and so won't debate me, blah, blah, blah. And then they like talk a bunch of shit. The debate never happens. And then like, yeah, it's like, yeah, what would be the point of that? They're not competing for anything, which to be fair to, I guess, Ron DeSantis, which is a sentence I don't usually say. Gavin Newsom has been kind of goading him for a while. You know, he Gavin Newsom ran ads in Florida for some reason a while ago. And a lot of people thought he was going to run for president. That's why he was doing it. But it turns out he was just doing it for the fuck of it. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't quite understand why he ever did that.
0: So I, I could be incorrect yeah. in saying this, but isn't Newsom also looking to file some sort of like legal challenge to Abbott um, DeSantis, or both about just trafficking illegal immigrants, like to Martha's vineyard into California and things like that. Like, I thought he was trying to do something from like a criminal standpoint for that. But I, I was actually pretty hyped. I was like, oh, like if this happens, it's to give me something to put on the calendar to look forward to if, uh, if the school year starts out slow or, or something like that. I mean, I don't think it was slated to happen until like November. But to me, it was just natural. It was like, okay, Batman fights Joker, right? Superman fights Lex Luthor. Luke fights Darth Vader. Like it's just such a natural like fight to have happen, right? California, our bluer state, I mean, It's mostly orange because it's kind of on fire, but uh, going up against our most conservative state, arguably, maybe Texas a little bit more so, but from DeSantis perspective, it's not the most
1: conservative, but it's like one of the most prominent conservative states, I guess. I mean, if you want to go most conservative, it's like Mississippi or some shit, right? But
0: Right, but I guess just most openly, proudly, and in the news all the time, conservative state, but I just was scratching my head because- DeSantis could only lose that debate.
1: Yeah, and that's Gavin the thing. Newsom I kind of could only
0: win. Yeah, so. I kind of
1: get it from Gavin Newsom's perspective because it might be a, an opportunity for him to come out looking really good. But I do not understand it from, from Ron DeSantis. Did, did Ron DeSantis set this up or was it was it Gavin Newsom that, that challenged him? Who challenged who? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it might have been Newsom. Okay. That makes a little more sense. Yeah, I mean to me all of this like it's just it's just the adult version of two kids saying they're gonna meet each other by the flagpole and fight, you know. That's all it is to me. It's it's dumb. We'll see what happens. Like it'd be funny if it happened, but
0: whatever. Yeah, we'll see. I mean perhaps DeSantis will be struggling so much that He'll be like, look, this is either going to be yeah. the third rail that just completely shocks my campaign back to life, or, or like, this will yeah, be the hell like Mary, but I, but I need, yeah, exactly. But I need to know now so that I can either pull out and kind of regroup or, uh, keep going and, and see where it leads. Yeah.
1: But all right, right, man. Anything else? talking?
0: Or? Yeah, no, that, I mean, that was about all I've got. Um, if that's all that you have. So folks watch the debate if you so choose but definitely check in on your almost as podcast stream tomorrow because we will be dropping an episode with America, the conversation we're having them back to talk about the debate and all of our reactions to it. And definitely if you're on Twitter or X, um, I'll gradually transition over to X. I'm still used to Twitter. Uh, Kevin's also just going to be doing some live tweeting about the debate as well. So if you're watching it, you can check those out while you're watching. Or if you're not, you can kind of get some some pithy, uh, witty updates from what's going on with the debate. But other than that, folks, we will talk to you tomorrow. And uh, thank you for listening.
1: Before you head out, feel free to subscribe and rate us. Leave a friendly comment on the way out. It really helps the podcast when you do. And if you enjoy what we're doing, you can find our Twitter or Instagram in the description below. We'll keep you updated about the show, and we'll also fill your feed with plenty of good old-fashioned memes. Follow us on Facebook as well if you're a Facebook person. Just type The Almost Presidents Podcast into that search bar. And lastly, you can write into the show. Our Gmail is thealmostpresidentspodcast at gmail.com, which you can also find in the description.